welcome to the Cherryton School Report, a B-Stars podcast brought to you by Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I'm Sabrina Ray, the person who's <laughs> snickering right now. Or sniggering? I forget. What... Mm, I don't want to be sniggering. I don't, don't think so. The person who is laughing right now is Don Munson. We are the hosts of Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends, which this week is bringing you the Cherryton School Report, a Beastars podcast, because we are disgusting. Disgusting. We're we disgusting. Are, we are absolutely foul. Uh, we are discussing Beastars Season 2. We are on Episode 6. Before we get to that, um, this week's question comes from me, Don, and it is... If you had a pet dinosaur, first of all, what kind of dinosaur would it be? And what would you name it? Great question. Is it? (laughs) Well, like my favorite dinosaur growing up was the Triceratops. I thought that thing was super cool. Oh my gosh, that is neat. Because a lot of us chose the Tyrannosaurus Rex because that was... Even pre-Jurassic Park, that was just the one that was like the wrecking ball. Of course. But I, I always really liked the... Uh, um, I always liked the Triceratops. I always was like, oh, Triceratops is goring the 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 T-Rex and its belly and such. I, have, I, I was a big fan My of T-Rex Triceratops. My T-Rex would not be gored. It would jump with its giant chickeny legs. Yeah, I don't know. But um, if I actually had a living pet dinosaur, I would want something small um, so that I could actually have it. Um, (laughs) A T-Rex and a uh, Triceratops would be enormous, um, a little too big, I think, to to truly keep on premises. So... All the little ones are like these little nasty reptiles that like, you know, they, they're bitey. So and... keep a Triceratops and just give it a name, buddy. All right. So let, you know, I mean, we're in this fantasy world anyway. So I guess I'm, I'm bringing it out to the ranch. I got a good 6,000 acres wandering room for my pet Triceratops. What am I going to name it? Stabby. No, I'm Done. not going to name it Stabby. I'm going to name it like uh, Trippy. Or um, Boo. something cute like Trace. I don't know. I, I'd have to have to think about it. Trace. I, okay. I mean, you don't make you don't make decisions about names lightly. I understand. Of course, we're talking about a fictitious dragon. That's my child here, or my not my child, my um, pet. <laughs> not but a dragon, I'm, a dinosaur, but sure. Um, but I'm gonna I, I'm gonna be picky about the names. So, Got it. turning this question back on yourself, you are going to have a pet T-Rex, and what are you going to name it? I'm not having a pet T-Rex. What, what do you mean you're not? You just said that was your favorite. It was my favorite, but oh, and what I is have now? since grown up, and I like the Brachiosaur. Uh, can you justify your love of Brachiosaur? I don't know, like the long neck and the gentleness. and How do you know, know they, they were gentle, to be perfectly honest? Like, hippos are non-meat eaters and you know you think they might be sweet but they're in fact 
tremendous. I just think with that long neck, there's not there's not a lot of room to not be gentle. Like a giraffe is pretty gentle. No, they're not. Probably the closest equivalent. I mean, they can defend themselves, sure, but they don't. They don't run around attacking people. Do they? Uh, I, okay, how I, many giraffes have you been attacked by? Raise your hand in this room raise if you've been your attacked hand. by giraffes. Have you been attacked by a giraffe? Uh, they took my hat once. So you have been attacked by a giraffe. Well, with its black tongue, it like licked my hat off my head. Don't be racist. It's just the color of its tongue. I'm not being racist. What? <laughs> going in a bad direction the point is i would choose a brachiosaur i think it's a cool looking like really tall um dinosaur it eats leaves off the top of trees there in fact there was always and I would some call sort of it debate about that remember destructor destructor oh, right of course well you know what what was i expecting i don't know not destructor <laughs> I mean, they had some conversations like, well, it couldn't have been that big because in order to sustain itself, all it could possibly have done was eat. I remember they're talking distinctly about this in like some of our early books. It's like, well, how did it really sustain that bulk? It would have had to eat like 30 hours a day. It's not possible. Um, And obviously they were that big and they must have eaten tremendous amounts and somehow sustained themselves. I don't know how. Yeah, I think we run into the similar situation when you're talking about an elephant. No, brachiosaurs are much bigger than elephants. There are elephants in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, how what a what an excellent rebuttal of the point I've made. You you sir have struck me dumb. <laughs> yeah. I I just I think the brachiosaurs are cool. Okay. And I used to think T-Rexes are cool. And then they started making them look like chickens in their art. And they added feathers and stuff. And um, I know they keep going back and forth on that as to what their like official interpretation is. Uh, but I just thought they were a little bit less cool when they started looking like chickens in the artist uh, renditions of them. I, I don't know. We also had T-Rexes sort of standing up, dragging their tails on the ground. I didn't think that was all that cool when I saw what the, the improvement was. No. Um, I think it was cool when they were dragging their tails, honestly. <laughs> it's just... That was just the more visually striking Godzilla-looking... You know, I just want to... At that time, I just wanted a Godzilla. And... Uh, but I ended up it's like you it's like that meme where like what you ordered versus what you got. It's like you ordered a Godzilla but you got a chicken instead. <laughs> That's how the T-Rex. The T-Rex is is just a betrayal and the Brachiosaur has never betrayed me. I mean, I think it's fair to say that a Brachiosaur has never betrayed you. Yes, thank you. Um so if you, I haven't asked you this in a while, but have you read anything interesting or seen anything or listened to anything cool lately? I've been reading The Expanse. Um, Which the sorry, TV the series based The on? Expanse, yeah. The, the, so um, I'm on the last book, Tiamat's Wrath, which is book eight in the series. Spoiler alert. Tiamat has a wrath. I mean, it's funny because all the titles... Like they never refer; they're very oblique references to what's going on in the book. I think that's probably on purpose now. 
so you don't accidentally find out. Like it wasn't Harry Potter and the Horcrux, the leftover Horcruxes. No, it was not Harry <laughs> Potter scar. and the leftover Horcruxes <laughs> as his scar. Uh, that would have been <laughs> a very interesting, uh, very marketing interesting. technique. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so yeah, the. Um, well, just give us the elevator pit. Like, what makes the expanse like something that you you found worthy of four books worth of reading? Eight books worth of reading. So, honestly, it does have its flaws. I actually like my favorite parts are when they're talking about sort of the alien architecture and artifacts. Um, I I eat that stuff up. I think it's fascinating. Um, but a lot of this is more about the human drama. And it really does make for an excellent TV show. Um, but I've watched all the episodes that they've put together so far, which they've gone through, I think, five seasons. And they said they're going to do, I think, two more or one more. Um, I guess maybe two more, uh, which would take them to a very natural stopping place in the books um, because there's a 20-year time gap between the first six books and the last two. Um, and they've... The TV show is excellent. The books are very interesting, but you honestly could almost pick up um, the sixth book and just keep going. The The one thing that the TV show does better is it consolidates characters. Um, so you would find more characters in the book than you found in the show, and you might be a bit confused because some of them are playing dual roles. That um, happened with Game of Thrones as well, where they were sort of taking aspects of one character and sort of merging them with another or giving someone else uh, a different character's story bits. And it, I thought it was a successful choice until, you know, they just they just ran that ship aground. But that's a totally different discussion. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's many podcast hours have already been spent in discussions of the failures. As for me, um, I have been listening to two albums in pretty heavy rotation the first one is Billie eilish's sophomore i guess it's not her sophomore but her follow-up to her big hit um when we all go to sleep where do we go is that the right title it's, it's when we all fall asleep maybe i don't know something like that that was a very interesting record that was sort of all over the place, but had kind of like this, this like crazy, like modern sense of like, we'll take bits and pieces from all the different like media and genre. And like, like the fact that the that YouTube and like the internet just acts as this portal to like, different worlds and it was like it was one of the first records i listened to where i could really feel that the person who was making it grew up with this tool where they they could just zip and zap across the universe across timelines to various different places and pull together new experiences and and they they had the tools to make like interesting weird good music in their home um she and her brother Phineas made all the songs together. Uh, that that turns out to be true for the second album, but the second album is a little bit more focused. Um, it's a little bit more mellow. Um, some people are probably going to find that not as exciting, but I thought it was 
I think I think it's tremendous and it's it's sad. It's sort of triumphant. Uh, it, it confronts fame in a way that's not annoying. Like it's a, it's not an obnoxious way that some play, some bands in their second effort after they've hit it big and they've been touring constantly. And the only thing they have to write about is how shitty fame is and how awful it is to be famous. You know, the, the sort of uh, the challenges of suddenly being everywhere and living in hotels and all that stuff that's in her album happier than ever, but it's, it's not just, it's, it's sort of confronted in an interesting way where she takes a little bit of Billie Holiday. She takes a little bit of her old beats. She takes some new stuff. She experiments with auto tune and like she creates this really interesting sound design that, it almost feels like there's like characters in the sound, like, oh, okay, here comes the ukulele. This is like the sad lament. And then here comes the rock guitar. This is like the anger. And then you'll have parts that are like, um, like they'll just be synth parts that are like, wah, wah, wah. And you're like, this is the villain of the piece. Okay, I get it. Um, it's good songwriting. Uh, the other album I'm listening to is the new one by The Killers. Um, they made an album, they put out an album not too long ago called Imploding the Mirage, which was very bombastic, very Springsteen, very, very glitzy, um, almost over the top on every song, but man, lots of good tracks on that. And, uh, and instead of going big on the next one, what they did was they made a, a smaller, more introspective, more searching album uh more like a springsteen like something that he would have made like uh like nebraska or something um but it is it it's interesting because it's like it's a theme album about the town where the vocalist brandon flowers grew up um in utah a mormon town and it confronts a lot of like the issues that they faced like just lots of death and the why the, the out of control um drug abuse and crime and the like failures of main street america it confronts the limitations of the mormon faith it confronts a lot of cool things and it does it in a way that's fresh for them um and i just love a lot of the lyrics on that record it's really good it's called Pressure Machine. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. That's, that's what I've been listening to. I, I assume you haven't heard either of them. Mm, um, I've, I haven't some of uh, the songs on Billie Eilish's album been released as singles? I think I've heard some of those. Yeah, I think she's got about six or seven of them out. Um, I think my favorite is probably the title track that came out last. It's called Happier Than Ever in it. It starts off with ukulele, but then it gets into this big, like, hard rock 80s, like, power ballad kind of thing at the end. It's, uh, it's a great moment. Anyway, on to the show. We talked a lot because there's not a lot in this episode. <laughs> Louis wants that signature. Uh, you know, he's trying to get it from his dad. 
and we get a little bit more from the two of them before he goes to meet Cosmo for Cosmos. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They don't have Cosmos. They have veggie juices at a bar. Um, it seems like his dad admires Louise. He admires the solutions that Louis comes up with to extricate himself from bad situations. But he still thinks he's a foolish, young, reckless kid. And he, he says, he says he didn't know how to love someone that he bought with money and that he could refuse to let Louis shoot him, but instead he signs and he, and he basically says that the horns conglomerate will not fall because of you. When you're strong enough to pull that trigger, it'll be waiting for you. So like Louis, Louis' plan never works out here. And I'm wondering what you think sort of like went awry with what Louis' plan was. Like he got what he wanted, but it felt like sort of like if what he wanted was independence, if what he wanted was to leave the conglomerate behind, it feels like he only yeah. opened the door further. Right. It's like, oh, you're showing some of your metal. That's exactly what we're looking for, but you're not ready yet. Yeah. <laughs> you need to actually be ready to kill me. And then, uh, uh, then, then you can actually take over. It's like the, his fate is preordained. Yeah. And, and I kind of like that. This, just the, the fact that this character who we've seen grow so much and, and, uh, and take the reins of a, a violent street gang. It could just be <laughs> completely like made into a child in front of his father's eyes again. Um, he goes to the bar. It's not a, it's not a long scene with Cosmo, but I like the part where it's, she says a toast to all herbivores. And then you see Louis take the swig of the vegetable juice and he's just, he just can't believe he's drinking it again. He's so happy. It was, it was a weird scene. Like, why did he meet with Cosmo? I think she was thanking him for saving her at that time, but she also ushers to him, issues him a warning about where he is. She kind of thought he knew what he was doing, but uh, when she sees how he reacts to having the juice for the first time again, she realizes how out of his depth he probably is. She describes uh, the black market as heaven for carnivores and hell for herbivores, but in the same breath, she says that she's prepared to live and die there. Right, she's like, I'm so happy here. <laughs> yeah, like, that's her place, and she'll live if she does, she'll die there, and that's, that's going to be a theme going forward. But it's interesting because I, it doesn't mean much except to suggest that maybe Louis does have a future beyond the black market. Right. Or, or even if he doesn't, that future doesn't have to be as grim and as um, unforgiving as he's currently experiencing it. Yes. Um, and the, did you like the scene with Juno and Lagoshi? <laughs> did I like this scene? I thought it was like, 
couldn't you pick somebody else to do this on? Like this is Lagoshi being his almost like incredibly blockheaded about what he's doing. Like you should not be, you're, you're welcome to look in some people's mouths. It's a little weird. Don't pick Juno. That's not the right person to pick. Right. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Like, and the way he describes his makeout session with his assailant as a French kiss is. I, I thought he bit him. Like, I don't understand what he was doing then if he wasn't biting him. It definitely felt like a bite. Oh, I, I don't know what but, it felt like, but it certainly looked like a bite. I mean, it just looked like it looked and like there was a sense that it was a bite on Absolutely. screen, I thought. You and I are on the same page there. But if it's a deep kiss and he's not just being facetious or sarcastic, um, that means that he just like put his mouth around the other guy's mouth and didn't bite hard. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this information. Yeah, I, I don't either. Like it. It shouldn't, it's not a sensual French kiss where you're supposed to be like, this person is, it looks like they're killing you. <laughs> I didn't expect to ship Lagoshi with the killer of Tem, but you know what? Here I goes guess, the ship. I guess that's what it is. I We're mean, launching. everyone else, everyone else gets shipped together. Why not them? Break out the Dom. We're christening the ship. Uh, I don't actually know the name of the killer um, in the series yet, so... <laughs> So you better not say it because you would be spoiling it for me and yes. for all of our listeners who are yes. following along just like that's me. That's right. That's right. So I'm not going to say anything. Um, I like the way Juno reacted. She was so shy and she was like, eventually she sort of acquiesced and she was like, okay, but just a little bit. Okay. And she like, just kind of like sensually opens her mouth. Just the tip. Oh my god, you said it. You said it. I mean, come on. She shows him her fangs and Lagoshi's looking in there and like you you hear her inner monologue and she's like, "Okay, whatever you want. Just just do it. Just get it over with, Lagoshi. Just do it." I don't know what the fuck she was expecting. <laughs> like if a guy says, "Let me look in your mouth." I'm not thinking like, "Oh, is he going to put his tongue in there if i just hang around with my mouth open what yeah what is going through her head like it this is not romantic no uh i i and and it, it partially falls down to her being turned on by him being shorn or as i like to call it legoshi smooth no please not legoshi smooth white legoshi yeah, so she finds him inherently attractive, but he's poking around in her mouth in such a clinical way. Like, how how is this appealing to her? I don't know, but it sucks that he like afterward he just leaves. He just he's just like okay, so the assailant wasn't like he's just doing his like Sherlock Bones thing, and like she's just she's just like oh he played with me again. He did it again. I fell for it again. Like, yeah. yes, and, you did. And she's very, like, she's... Lagoshi could clearly have his way with Juno if he had any desire, but he, he does not appear to have any desire. No. Uh, he's only got eyes for Haru, and she's in this episode again. And as I, I, I spoiled it last episode, but she does like his haircut. 
Yes, she she likes his haircut, but they also have a very interesting conversation. Yeah, um, he goes from we're not dating to okay, then marry me. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, it was very interesting. So Lagoshi, though in principle not trying to play hard to get, has been ignoring Haru, and apparently she's more attached to him than she was previously letting on. So she comes in, she's like, hey, these, uh, this guy wants to go out with me. Um, <laughs> which is a super passive-aggressive way to, uh, to open a conversation. And then they have a discussion, and he's like listening to her, but he's totally droning or, or dr- just ignoring her and just listening to the voice in his head. And he's like, I know the only way that this is going to work. Let's get married. Like, <laughs> he's... <laughs> just off his rocker and it's not like a spur of the moment thing where he's like let's go and go tonight let's let's elope let's let's be crazy it's not like this like fun whirlwind sort of marriage plan he's like no no no. we'll wait we'll wait till after high school that's when traditionally many couples of an interspecies variety do get married and it's just such the a it's just like the opposite of romance it's terrible he's He's done it again, folks. Yeah, it's, he's pulled a Lagoshi. Uh, oh. Just completely ruining it all. It's yeah. really insane. Yeah. And, and, and it, he, he brings it up again. He's like, he's like I'm, why are you so mad? You know, I don't reply to your texts. I'm running out all, at all hours of the night. I'm, I've, I've completely ignored you. Uh, but you said you'd wait for me. <laughs> And then she's just like, yeah, I said that, but I didn't mean it. Like, I just thought it at the moment. But if you're going to be like this, then why would I wait for you? Like, there doesn't seem to be a lot worth waiting for at this point. But also, how do you explain what he's doing? He's he's operating on a whole different Yeah, he's, like, he's level. Got, he's, he's got the big brain strategy here, I guess. Um... um we should but go back works. actually and talk about that because we find out that he's made quite a lot of progress in his training. So that's one of the reasons that he's so, I guess, confident that Haru will wait for him and that he should marry her. Um, he is able to, when Gohin goes to check on him to see how he's progressing, Lagoshi is touching the meat. <laughs> uh, he is, he's totally, he's conquered um, his inner beasts. He has conquered his carnivore nature and is now like able to be completely dispassionate around the slabs of meat. Yeah. And, and he's acting and speaking as if he's reached some kind of form of enlightenment, which may be a bit early in the whole plan, but uh, it manifests itself as him sort of feeling the weight of all life and realizing that these herbivores and, and he as a carnivore are all students. They're all from the same, they're all cut from the same cloth. They all bleed red, unless they don't bleed red because they might be lizards. I don't know. What color is lizard blood? Is it red? I, 
I don't know. I haven't squished a lizard recently to find out. Um, <clears throat> it turns out he's burying them, and he takes Goheen out after sort of like zenning him to leave him alone. He takes him out, and he brings him to the shoreline, and he buries them, and each of them has a name, which is kind of creepy. Um, the ones that we see that he tells the story of are Joel and Linda, <laughs> which uh, those are those are names right out of like a, a Springsteen song, right? <laughs> like, Little is, Diddy about Jack and Diane. Yeah, except it's Joel and Linda. Yep. Um, and he's like waxing and pontificating and he's waxing poetic and he's like this they once had a name like me and a life like me and uh and that's the moment when you know he it cuts to him and his grades are dropping and he falls asleep and he wakes up to Haru's smell and then he had the whole scene with Haru um but uh the last scene is it's the consequences of his uh, his monastic training. Yeah, his his jaw has gotten incredibly weak, um, and it's sort of the symbol of a carnivore's strength. So, not only does he no longer have his his big intimidating fur that gave him even more bulk and size and appearance and sort of a wild look, but he's also become someone that Bill can easily defeat in a str- like jaw strength jaw. comparison. Jaw, jaw wars. Off. Jaw wars. I like it. Jaw off. Good. Uh, he's easily defeated by Bill. And Legoshi was planning on using the jaw off to suss out who exactly is the killer uh but his plan fails uh spectacularly so yeah he can barely even leave a dent in an apple and he's not exactly sure what's going on there yet but i did like the scene where uh one of the guys was having trouble lifting a box and then Bill comes by and he can't lift the box. And then this was all kicked off by the bear lifting the box quite easily. Right. And then Bill feeling like he's like, uh, inadequate. So he quickly mentions to everyone in earshot that it's the jaws strength that determines the strength of the carnivore. (laughs) And then, and then the bears like, Cat boys, lol. <laughs> um, this is another classic example of Legoshi um, beclowning himself, with, uh, which exactly. he's done twice now, like admitting his virgin status and now here, you know, losing the jaw strength competition in front of everybody. Yeah. Um, in some ways, I interpret some of this as Legoshi is getting to know what it's like to be less powerful. But that's not going to help him, as Bill has said to him a couple times, uh, not Bill, uh, Goheen has said to him a couple times, a carnivore 
builds muscle, builds their strength on meat. Athletes are doping, you know, uh, in this animal world. Anyone who's try who's in a job where they have to show strength is secretly eating meat in some form or taking blood or whatever it is, but they there is a necessary component that Lagoshi is missing. And if he really wants to get to the bottom of this mystery and confront whoever it is that killed Tem, it seems like he's going to need more than more strength than he currently has. Yeah, I agree with that. But he's he's been pretty adamant that he's not going to be eating meat. So he's can he do it on sheer willpower alone? It's a good question. Did you also feel like he was kind of like this this episode this 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 new training has sort of brought him more? It brought him closer to herbivores in the sense that he's less capable, less. Uh, less powered by the things that he's less he's less capable and less dangerous well I mean the part of it was that we, we want him to be less dangerous right or he wants to be less dangerous because he wants to be able to be no threat to herbivores um, I don't think he anticipated that that a consequence would be that he becomes essentially as weak as an herbivore. Um, but that seems to be where we are right now. Um, it's a little weird because Gohin is obviously not weak at all and is an herbivore. Um, so it's definitely possible to be strong. So I guess that's what, that's why he's got to go back to Gohin and say, now what? But Gohin's been the one who's telling him Basically, this is a non-starter, which doesn't seem consistent. I don't understand why <laughs> Goheen can't be, isn't more supportive. I I think that he didn't believe him until he saw Lagoshi touching the meat, communing, communing, I guess, with the meat. Um, he didn't believe that it could be done, but Lagoshi has convinced him that maybe there's a chance that he will be the one in a million who can overcome his hunger for meat and even surpass the expectations. Uh, but that is all for this episode. There's nothing else to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to wrap it up right here. Um, thank you all for listening. We will be back with episode seven next. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with episode seven next time. Uh, it has been a wild ride, but we're getting to the big, the big stuff now, Don. I, getting well, to the answers. I'm very curious as to what the answers are, but I, I don't know if we're getting to it or not. You're the one telling me, so you're saying I've got a lot to look forward to, huh? Seven and eight are big episodes, so get ready. Seven and eight are big episodes, so get ready. I am um, ready. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We will be back next time for episodes seven. Uh, thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
We'll be back next time for episode seven. In the meantime, get to our Twitter, OKASHINA podcast, and please leave us a question. It could be anything. I don't care anymore. You want to know about the stock market? Ask away. I will answer you your questions to the best the, of my ability. You want to know about the GDP of uh, Guadalupe? Just, just ask. Is Guadalupe an actual no? Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur. Why did I say Guada? Guadalajara. No, oh, maybe I was going for Guadalajara. Anyway, this doesn't make any sense. Okashko <laughs> Koyo. <laughs>《Raven》What's up, Fantast? Do you like anime? I sure do. Do you have a limited amount of time in your schedule due to demands of capitalism? Unfortunately, yes. Well, I have the show for you. It's called Weebkin Warriors. Oh yeah, it's that podcast where you and I come together every Thursday and talk about anime that are 24 episodes or less. That's right. And you can find us on the Orange Girls Podcast Network or your podcatcher of choice. Have, Have a good, good weekend. weekend.